Welcome to the UCC Show. Our email address is uccinfo at ingrammicro.com and follow us on Twitter at ingrammicroinc. Welcome everyone to the first UCC show with Ingram Micro. This is the inaugural show. Um, I'm very excited to have Jeff Yelton, who's the VP and GM of Advanced Solutions from Ingram, as my first ever guest. So, Jeff, thank you very much for getting involved in the show. I'm really excited about where this is going to go in the future. We've got a list, as long as your arm, of exciting guests. But plainly, you're a very senior member of the Ingram team because it says VP and GM. But I don't know what that means, and I don't know what advanced solutions mean. So say hi to our audience, and then tell us what all that stuff means. Okay. Well, hello, everybody, and I am very glad to be here. I'm actually honored to be here with Simon for somebody that has uh, written a book and, and has had as many awards as you've gotten You've got two patents. I mean, it is phenomenal to be able to be on a show like this, so we really do appreciate this. As far as the title, it's a big title. I'm not sure there's a lot of uh, um, a meaning behind it, except for the fact that I have responsibility for the Specialty Technologies Business Unit inside of the Advanced Solutions Group of Ingram Micro. That's a lot of words, but let me narrow that down to a very specific four technologies that I have responsibility for. One of them, obviously, since I'm on the, uh, the show here with you today, is unified communications. The second is data capture and point of sale. The third is physical security. And the fourth is pro-AV, or the large touch screens, video displays that you see in a lot of commercial environments. And while those sound like disparate technologies, they are, they go to, the go-to-market to sell those products is very similar. Um, it takes a business partner that has very high skills around the, uh, not only the technology, but also the application use. Uh, and so how we sell those products is the same, and therefore that's the reason we put them all into the same uh, business unit. The other piece, which is, which is uh, associated with the trend in the marketplace today, is the fact that these technologies are all IP-based technologies. They sit at the edge of the network. Uh, which is something else that ties them all together. Now, that, that's an interesting point, right? Um, I would agree that certain of these, certainly there's a natural fit, right, between Pro-AV and UCC, for example. That, that's a logical one to me. Some of the other, like data capture and physical security, that kind of interesting to me. Do you want to give me a bit more color around that? I mean, I think as physical security, because I'm a Luddite, of big locks on doors, but there's plainly a bit more to it than that. So what do you mean by physical security? Is that, well, what? I don't know. Well, and, and, I, and we use the term physical security, but also uh, in the marketplace, the physical security and the logical security are starting to move together. So if you go back a few years, the physical security, think of it as the door locks, the cards that had a mag stripe on the back of them or the video cameras to, to uh, keep an eye on what was going on in a, in a general area. Today, first of all, that used to be analog technology. It's all turned into digital technology and they're all IP addresses today. But security, whether it uh, in a commercial environment or a government environment is starting to be all inclusive. Not only who is coming in and out of the, out of the building, but are they who they say they're going to be? And so as an example, the card 
um, which had a mag stripe on the back to say that you could get into the building now in many cases has uh, two forms of bio, bio information on it. In other words, it might be a fingerprint. Um, it might be a password in addition to having the card itself. And that same card, whereas it will get you in the building, it will also get you onto your computer system too. So that's the, the merging of the logical and the physical uh, security that's coming together. And are you finding that the reseller community is uh, is merging in that way as well? Are the UCC guys taking on physical security or the physical security guys taking on UCC? Or is that something that Ingram's looking to push? Um, it's starting to move that way. And, and the reason that it is is because the, the central um, piece of uh, technology that all of those technologies that surround is the network. And so you have network VARs that are starting to say to their customers, hey, um, since all of these technologies are now IP-based, I can now talk to you about unified communications because it's an extension of your network. I can talk to you about physical security because it's an extension of your network. And vice versa, if you're a unified communications VAR or a physical security VAR, they are starting to have to have that conversation about the network. Yeah. And so it depends where you start, whether you start on the edge of the network and you start moving into the network or whether you started in the middle of the network and you're moving out to the edge. It's all starting to combine together. I think that's a fascinating angle, and I like what you're doing here because we live in the world where a lot of people have been, you know, traditional, shall we say, telephony vendors, and now they're in a UCC space, and that's a very different world. There's probably more overlap in the, say, physical security or in the, um, you know, some of the pro-AV technologies, or at least as much as they're in, is in the older things that kind of did the same job but in a different way for the same client. So I think it's a fascinating angle. Um, now, that brings us up an interesting point, right? One of the things that UCC is, is uh, it's like ice cream. You know, everyone's got one, and everyone's tastes totally different from all the others. So UCC means lots of different things to lots of different people. Ingram, one of the biggest players in the world in this space. What does it mean to you? Well, I, I, and, and that's a great point because everybody that I talk to usually does have a different definition of what unified communication stands for. And you can go and you can uh, read the Gartner uh, definition or, you know, there are many of these analysts out there that IDC have definitions for unified communications. But I like to dumb it down for myself so that I can understand it really, really easily. And what I tell people when they ask me is I say, think of it this way, it's to be able to communicate to anybody anytime on any device in any format. And if you start thinking through that definition of unified communications, and then you step back and you say, okay, all right, I buy that. But then you say, what type of infrastructure and architecture do you have to have in place to make that definition happen? And once you start thinking about that, you start saying, wow, Unified communication is not that endpoint anymore, which is where most people start. They talk about about the phone or they talk about the headpiece, uh, you know, the, the Jabra headpiece that, uh, that they're talking about or the earphones or, or the video that they're, they're dealing with. But when you start stepping back and say, wait a minute, anytime, any place, any device in any format, now I'm starting to say the networking infrastructure the servers that I have to have in place, the security software that I have to have in place to be able to make that happen starts expanding that definition of unified communications dramatically. And it's also the broadband. 
I mean, you think of it, broadband now becomes an extremely uh, important piece of unified communications because you have to make sure that you have not only the, the bandwidth, but it has to be optimized for the unified communication that you're using in your business and prioritized. What I mean by prioritized is, are you prioritizing your data over your voice or your voice over your video? And you have to, you have to optimize your network for that prioritization. And a lot of times, customers are not thinking about that. They're thinking about, uh, about unified communications as only that telephone call. And that's a very, very narrow definition of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I've thought I, this is an interesting angle. One of the problems it seems to me that most of the reseller community has, unless they're a billion-dollar reseller, right, which is a very niche part of the world, and there's not many of those guys, um, the vast majority can't possibly have all the skill sets that you've just defined. And every UCC manufacturer I've ever met, when I say what's UCC look like, they point at their product and they go that. Yes. And you say, yeah, but what about all the other stuff that goes with it? Like like prioritization of IP packets, for example, or the security of the entire environment, or the mass deployability of the technology on a global basis using, you know, things like AWS or Google servers or whatever else they want to use. And it's so that idea of a holistic answer seems I don't know if the word frightening is the right word, but surprisingly, surprisingly rare. Yes. And I'm kind of wondering why that is. I mean, for me, it seems that it's because distribution as a general principle hasn't really got their head round what their primary role is. Um, at the, uh, on the initial first ever uh, UCC show, I'm perhaps going to put myself out of a job by saying, I think distribution's done a strange thing in the last few years. And not necessarily wrong, and certainly not something that Ingram's done, because you're doing it from the work you're saying. But many of them have thought of themselves as a big warehouse and a finance department. And people buy boxes, cobble them together in whatever format they like, and sell them to clients. What it seems to me the real role of distribution is, is to take disparate solutions stitch them together in a coherent manner and work with the reseller to supply those to the client. And that sounds to me exactly what Ingram's doing and most other players in this market haven't got their head around yet. Um, I think that's well said, and I do agree with you. Um, you know, we do, distribution does come from a history of moving boxes. I mean, that's where we started. And if you go back years ago, there was plenty of a margin on those, those boxes, and, and most end users were buying technologies more than solutions. Um, and, and there has been that switch to moving towards solutions. So I think the role of any good distributor today is to say, what is the holistic solution that the business partner needs to, the, the VAR, value-added reseller, needs to deliver to the end user, and how can I make that more efficient for them to be able to deliver it? And the point that you're on was really good one, and that is that um, in today's market, a lot of the solutions that are having to be delivered are far more sophisticated than any single VAR can uh, be an expert in. And so what they have to do is they should be looking to their distributor to say, tell me who I should be partnering with to help me deliver that solution or help me, Mr. Distributor, fill in the pieces that I don't have so that I can make sure that I am talking to my customer about this holistic solution. Because if they don't, Simon, if they don't, their business model is at risk 
because somebody that does come in and talk to them about the holistic solution and has the capability to deliver the whole thing is the one that is, is the, is the VAR that's going to get the mind share of that end user customer. Yeah. And, and, I, and I want to go back to what something we were talking about earlier is that, so you either start in the network and you're starting to learn the you know, edge devices or you started on the edge devices and you have to learn the network. And if you aren't able to carry that narrative of that total solution with your customer, one of those other VARs will take that business away from you. So it, there's an opportunity and a risk as far as uh, our VARs are concerned in the marketplace. Well, and there's the other issue that one of the things that resellers, as a ex, long time ago now, but next reseller man myself was, you never wanted to let yourself only supply one solution to a client because you were easy to knock out at that point. But if you supply the end-to-end business process solution to the client, which is a range of different technologies, the, the, the chances are that no one other reseller is going to be able to be as unique in all of these attributes as you are. So if a reseller picks half a dozen or four or five core technologies, gets very good at those with your help, then they're much harder to dislodge from their existing customer than someone who can come along and pick them off one at a time, one solution. I can do this for 15% cheaper, bang. I can do this for 15% cheaper, bang. But if they're all stitched together into an overall solution, it's much harder for the client to have their head turned by someone who comes along and offers them lower pricing. And there's always someone that's going to offer you lower pricing. Absolutely. Um, I would agree with you. But even if you can't offer the solution, you've at least got to control the narrative of the total solution yeah. with the executives in the end user account. And then they're going to look to you as the consultant, even if you bring in another partner to help you provide the total solution. Yes. But you have to control the narrative. And that goes back to this unified communications. If you're only talking about it from just that endpoint about the telephone or the video conferencing in a, in a, in a conference room, then you're losing the narrative and somebody else can come in and go, wait a minute, Let's talk about how we can increase the efficiency of your business through the use of unified communications, which is a whole different business discussion with that end-user customer. And that CIO or that CEO is going to listen to whoever creates that narrative. Yeah, I think that's even more important in a world, and I've been doing a lot of work on this and talking a lot about this recently, in that what's happening now increasingly in business is that the IT department is becoming for want of a better turn of phrase, and this is not meant to sound like it's offending anyone, they're the plumbers. The, the people like the marketing department are becoming the, the users or the customers of the technology. And increasingly, there was a load of research done by Gartner that your average CMO will have a larger IT budget by 2020 than your average CIO. Yes. Those people, if you go along and talk about the bits and bytes about how our SIP implementation and our conference phone is better than that, guys, yeah, well, I'd be surprised if you're in the meeting room for more than a few minutes because right. they'll look you out. They have no idea what you're talking about. So the narrative for the resellers is changing and they need to talk business solutions to clients. And, and again, I think that that really plays to your wheelhouse of having all these technologies lined up that fit nicely together. Uh, it's funny, a lot of people have said in the last few years, oh, some manufacturers have said it, I don't need distribution and resellers anymore, I sell direct. And, it, and it's plainly nonsense because customers don't use that solution on its own. They need all these other things to work with it. And one would argue even the very few, and there are very few manufacturers who could say, we'll do soup to nuts, we'll do the whole thing. 
Well, then you always end up with a compromise solution, maybe best of breeds in one or two places, if you keep, and, and it also ran in most of the other components. And anyway, there's only a few of those. So I, I don't think that that's realistically a good answer. I absolutely agree with you 100%. I, I want to I tie back one of the things that you're saying to unified communications. And um, I think a lot of people think about unified communications as a, I'm going to buy some unified communications. In other words, I want to go buy the specific solution. And it's more of an architecture and a journey. Um, and this goes back to our point of it being much larger. I, I don't know that you ever get there with unified communications. It's continually changing and morphing. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of it has to do with the technological aspects of it and cultural issues. From a technological point of view, you know, this lack of interoperability, you know, and you were just hitting on that. And that's what made me think of, of what you were talking about. A single vendor has a very difficult time of providing the total solution. But because all of the different pieces of that solution don't operate off of a single level of standards today, that interoperability is very, very difficult. And trying to get to the end state of unified communications is something that is, is very, very difficult to do. In addition to that, the skills that are out there, it's very difficult to find uh, a large number of resources that understand the full concept of what unified communications is. And then the last piece of it is there's no single solution for a specific customer. In other words, in the past, you tended to go buy one or two types of phones, and that was how you did your communications. Today, you really have to go look at your worker and the worker in the warehouse or the sales rep or the executive or the engineer has a different unified communications configuration than those other work groups. Yes. And, and so, therefore, which going back to what you were talking about, that um, business partner now has to understand the workflow processes in the industries that they're operating in. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, as an example, I would argue that there's really no point in putting a phone on the desk of a 30-year-old or less. They Absolutely. Don't what, they don't know what phones are. Absolutely. They would rather text you from the desk next door than they would pick up the phone. And, and then I've got old friends and colleagues of mine, and my phone doesn't ring very much, but... Uh, and that, that doesn't sound very good, but it's true. <laughs> People communicate in other ways. Right. But I know I've got friends of mine who are in their late 40s, 50s, and they are the ones who ring me. And everyone who's probably younger than me, I'm 47 right now, everyone who's younger than me generally sends me an email or a text message. Um, the idea of using the phone as a phone is something that's an anathema to a large percentage, an ever-growing percentage of the market. So... The whole idea of this monolithic, here's your unified communications is a phone with voicemail on it, is, you know, one, out of date, and two, as you rightly suggest, the, uh, the, the concept of unified communications is changing. I mean, you look at things like Spark and Slack and, and all these, and Circuit and all these other technologies that are coming out, well, suddenly they're all part of UCC, apparently, which actually, frankly, makes sense, but two years ago, no one mentioned any of those because they didn't exist, so they couldn't Absolutely. be part of UCC. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's going to so, be interesting. You, you know, you're hitting on a, another good point, and that is the, the cultural side of this. So we talked about the technological side uh, that, that makes unified communications somewhat complex. Um, the cultural side is the other aspect of it, and that is the age differences and how I view technology as 
as, as someone, someone that is over 40, um, as well as my daughter, who is 27, who has a completely different approach to how she deals with uh, uh, technology. Um, and my habits are different than her habits. And we were talking, um, we were talking to some uh, consultants the other day around unified communications. And one of the things they were telling us was that the, the ability to change the human nature is what is slowing down the implementation of unified communications. The technology is there to move much quicker than we are today, but the people's ability to change how they, their work habits and how they communicate is the piece that is, is the governor on the adoption rate of unified uh, communications, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, a friend of mine, I don't mean to make this a biblical reference, but it was kind of an amusingly interesting concept, was as a friend of mine said, he said, you know, Moses went into the desert for 40 years, so all the old people could die off and new <laughs> thinking could come out. And you're like, well, that seems a bit dramatic, perhaps, and, but an interesting way of thinking of it in the sense that you do need a, a fresh set of eyes as to what can be achieved. And I, I'm not certain I would argue that all the 20-somethings are masters of UCC, but they're certainly a lot more open to the ideas around it than you know their, their older counterparts. And, and therefore, as a VAR, as you go into a customer, you now have to start talking about change management. Instead of just technology, you have to start saying, okay, what type of change management practices are we going to put in place to make sure that you do get an ROI off of the investment that you're getting ready to make? Uh, it's funny, you know, I've been in the video conferencing industry for uh, over 20 years. Right. And the biggest sell to me, and by the way, I think as an industry, the one we probably failed on the worst was not the idea of what the technology could achieve, but the marketing of the technology internal to the customer, that the customer didn't walk past the meeting room to get in a cab, to go to the airport, to fly, to go and have a meeting. Absolutely. But there was that business process re-engineering. I remember 20 years ago, I, I was living in London at the time, as you may have guessed. Um, and I'm not an East Texas boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm there now. Um, and I went to see some consultants who I was trying to see if I could go and do some work for in New York. And they said, so you're a video conferencing consultant or wannabe? And I said, yeah, I am. And they said, so what kind of room designs do you do? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not interested in room design. I'm interested in business process re-engineering. And they stared at me like I had three heads. They had no idea. Yeah, but how do you change the HVAC system to cope with the heat? I don't know. I don't know. None of my, not remotely interesting to me. How do I make people actually use the technology? And I think that that's a big fight that we as a, as a UCC industry have got. That is much harder to do than the technolog technological part of the problem. I agree. I think that the partners now have to show up with use cases around the specific, uh, you know, work streams inside of, you know, industries to help help them open their mind to how they might use that. Uh, and I'll give you two examples. One of them is, uh, let's say you have a call center, a sales center, and you need an expert, a specific expert when a customer calls in. Well, the whole idea of presence in unified communications is knowing is someone with these skills present and ready to take a call right now that I can reach out to to bring into a conference call with someone on the phone? That concept is very difficult for, I mean, a lot of people just don't even think that way uh, when they start talking about unified communications. Um, 
let's see, I had another one I was going to give you a, an example of. Um, oh, from an engineering point of view, you made me think of it when you were talking about the, uh, you know, the HVAC system. Um, if you have, and, and we are now moving to this Internet of Things where everything is being uh, monitored, there's a, a device monitoring um, much of this equipment out there. Let's say that your HVAC system goes down. It's in a large company. Let's say it's in a hospital, and I need someone from the engineering department uh, to be involved immediately to be able to send out an alert to the people that need to come together to be able to fix that and create either a conference call or a web session that includes a piece of video, maybe from one of the physical security cameras, and data about the what has failed on that product in the past, all together into a single work session, is a whole different way of thinking. And it immediately pulls them together. That's where the ROI of unified communications comes from. It, yeah, it's interesting. The, the one that every marketing director in video conferencing has ever tried, the moment they walk in the door and go, oh, I can afford one of these on one flight from New York to London on a first-class BA flight. And I'm like, shoot me now. Right. right. Because every two years, every major video conferencing manufacturer got a new marketing manager who thought the same thing. And I've always felt that it's about the time. It's not about whether I can fly somewhere for less money. It's about the fact that I can have the meeting now. You know, you're right. in you're in uh, North Carolina. I'm in Texas. You know, we got together at, well, frankly, we, 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 I diddle-daddled a bit and we got this meeting going in two days. I'm not going to fly to Greenville in two days, even if it's only a three-hour flight. It's relatively easy. Southwest flies every day. Away we go. I'm not going to do it because I haven't got the time in my calendar to be out of the office for three days. And right. that's the real power of it. You bring up a really interesting point about a whole new workflow. I mean, not just speeding up business, but changing the way people do it. Now, do you see that as part of the, of the secret sauce for the manufacturers or for you or for the resellers? I, I think it's both. I think it's, um, I think it's whoever can create those use cases from a distributor point of view, I would like to be able to uh, help partners and present them to the end users. If I was a partner, I would want to understand those use cases and keep them very close to the best because that is the secret sauce. It's not the technologies. It's not how to hook up the technology. Anybody can do that. But how to use that technology to get an ROI for these businesses, that's a very straightforward ROI that the CFO can look at and go, I buy from that you know, right off the bat. And the business process owners to go, yes, my, my business would change dramatically if I started following that business process. That's where the true benefit comes. I think that's really interesting. Now, look, we're going to talk about business. And a couple of things have been happening in your business in the last few weeks. You've been busy, or at least busy. <laughs> Ingram's been busy. I don't know if you were personally or directly involved. Um, so two things. Uh, NetEx USA. Yes. the Chinese investors, right? Both important topics. Whatever order you like, we better get a few words because, you know, it's important stuff. It is important stuff. And, uh, and they were, uh, uh, especially the acquisition of Ingram by uh, the H&A group, that was, a, that was a big deal in the industry. Um, and there was a lot of discussion about that. Um, the interesting thing about it is that not to downplay it because it, it's, it's very exciting for us, but it, it's really almost ho-hum for most of the Ingram employees because uh, the H&A group is, is much more like a, um, uh, 
you know, a Berkshire Hathaway uh, type of group where they are more of an investment company where they are going in and they, they're buying the stock of Ingram Micro as opposed to having an operating company that they're buying Ingram Micro and they're getting ready to uh, integrate that into. So we literally are going to, be, while we will be owned by the H&A group, we will be a standalone company incorporated in Delaware. Our headquarters are going to continue to be in Irvine, California. Our complete management team, including our CEO, is going to continue to be here. And uh, it's really just business as usual from our point of view. Okay. Um, so um, I, don't, I truly don't believe our partners or our vendors will see any difference at all whatsoever. So the big news is there is no big news. The big news is there is no big news. That is true. That's kind of interesting. And it's a fascinating world we live in. I mean, really, who owns the company to a very large extent is completely irrelevant to the clients and completely irrelevant to the partners and completely irrelevant to the vendors. And whether it's NASDAQ listed or S&P listed or, you know, on a Chinese stock market or whatever, who cares? But I did feel that people should hear the story because, as we all know, you know, if you don't, if you don't make the story, you are the story. And I knew that it was one of those topics that our audience would be interested in. No, I mean, it is definitely a, it is definitely a big story in the industry. I mean, you know, Ingram is not a small company, and for someone to acquire somebody our size, um, regardless of what industry we were in, and re- regardless of who did the acquisition, um, it's going to be news. The, the one piece, and, and I will say this is a little bit of the marketing piece on my side, would, would say that the exciting part is that the H&A group saw value in Ingram. And for them to pay what they paid for us, and they expect to get a return on that, uh, they feel very confident that we're going to be here and we're going to be a major player in the industry, and they are going to be able to get a return on their, their money long term. So I think that's a very positive aspect of the acquisition. Yeah, I agree. There's lots of other companies they could have bought. They picked you. That's got to be a positive thing. Yes. Uh, now, the other one, much smaller acquisition, but patently, well, not patently, I suspect significantly more disruptive to the way the world works and probably significantly additive to your business would be the NetEx USA uh, acquisition. So yeah. I know it's early days, but can you tell us something about that? Yes. Um, now, that one I was heavily involved in. The H&A group obviously was above my pay grade. Um, but from the uh, uh, NetEx uh, acquisition point of view, that was right in line with our strategy that we have in place to build out the, the definition of unified communications, as we just talked about earlier. And that they were a key component in that. Um, and... So are you familiar with uh, Broadsoft? And Broadsoft is one of the uh, white label providers of unified communication platforms out in the marketplace. And many of the service providers uh, out in the world use the the Broadsoft software, whether it's Broadworks, which is the on-prem, you know, hosted where where the service provider hosts themselves, or whether it's Broadcloud, where uh, Broadsoft is hosting it for them. It's the same infrastructure. It's the same software, just delivered in a separate uh, manner. So it's white label to a bunch of different companies who you wouldn't even know run Broadsoft in the background, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it could be somebody like a Verizon or a Vonage or a, a Comcast or a British Telecom or um, whoever it happens to be around the world. Those are who I'm talking about when I say service providers. Okay. 
And so what NetX did is they developed um, both intellectual property and business processes to support the acquisition of the, of the technology, the provisioning of the technology, the support of that technology, uh, and the disposition and maintenance of that technology. And, and they have probably the largest market share in that service provider market space. And so that's one of the reasons that we were very interested in them. Uh, but the other reason we were interested in them is that whole concept, that support structure that they have in place is um, applicable to any uh, VAR or any business partner that is implementing unified communications. And so you now, uh, with them as a part of Ingram, uh, a business partner now has that capability to say, do I want to build or buy? In other words, if I want to be in the unified communication space, I might not have to own all of those resources that I might have had to in the past because now I can outsource that to my partner, Ingram, through NetX uh, to be able to provide all of those services that I talked about. Now, they may decide that that's where they want to have their value add, and we may and they may put a focus on the provisioning. They may put a focus on the support. But whatever pieces they don't provide, we have those skills and services now to be able to wrap around them so anybody can go to market with a full unified communications offering. Wow. So it's a lot more than you just took on a few. You know, Many of us, I initially looked at this and went, oh, Ingram picked up a few more vendors. But actually, it's a fundamentally different story than that. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It was definitely not about the vendors. It was about the uh, intellectual property and business process uh, services that they have built. Now, the, you only just did this acquisition. I, the ink is probably dry now, but it's very you know, recently. So how quickly do you think you'll be able to integrate these solutions and services into mainstream Ingram offerings? So at the beginning, um, for at least through the end of this year, we will probably uh, continue to go to market as uh, NetX and Ingram Micro Company, uh, and we are working on those integration plans right now. Um, that doesn't mean that a partner couldn't take advantage of them today, but being fully integrated to all of the systems inside of uh, Ingram uh, could probably take uh, through the end of this year to be able to work out or maybe the first part of next year. Uh, but the partners could take advantage of that today, and we will mask the fact that we are operating in two separate uh, systems. Okay, and we can uh, we can get you back on the show at another time, and you can tell us once you've tightly integrated them all into the same same space. It sounds like a, a very interesting move, very innovative, which is um, great for all the partners as well as for you. And you know, I, the other piece of that is that um, if you take a look at the 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 trends that are happening in the unified communication space, I would say that there's four of them. Um, and I'm going to get to the, the one that attaches to, network, uh, to NetX USA last. There's mobile, the advent of mobile, and, and that communications uh, session being done on a mobile device. The data integration, and now you're starting to tie in your systems, you know, your applications in your business into your communications world. Um, there is that logical and physical security that is starting to be integrated into unified communications. And then the last and probably the biggest trend is this move towards the cloud. And more and more and more of the unified communication solutions are starting to be, you know, SIP-based or IP-based phones. And they are starting to be delivered, the, the unified communications applications are starting to be delivered through the cloud. And... Um, NetX plays in that world since their service providers 
mainly play in that world. Um, that is one of the other main reasons that we wanted to be positioned properly uh, for that move to the cloud. That's interesting. A lot of my kind of day job, if you can call it that, is helping clients with the move from a boxes-based business model to a cloud-based one. And it's interesting that the manufacturers are often at the, oh, it's just, we just changed it. But then the resellers and the distribution partners, are many of them are really struggling with working out how to have a business model that means they're still in business while making that transition from one to the other. There's massive benefits from being a cloud-based reseller, you know, like the company's worth lots of money later on, it's nice and linear, there's good returns, but that transition can be really quite rocky. So that to see that you guys are actually helping and being part of that process is very, is very enlightened and um, very good news for the reseller community because I can tell you, having a look at the entire reseller community globally, it's a major problem for many of them. It, it is. It's a balance sheet issue. Is how, how do you transition your balance sheet from born in the cloud, raised in the cloud partner to the old line partner that made the majority of their margin off the hardware? And trying to switch that cost structure to be able to compete with that partner that was born in the cloud, raised in the cloud is very, very difficult to do. Very difficult to do. It is, but it's also an existential threat to distribution who don't work that out and the resellers who simply either sit and can't work out what the right answer is and therefore make no decision or leap off in the wrong direction. Jumping from one of these lily pads to the other is hard. And you know, I certainly recommend that no one tries to do it in one afternoon. You can't, <laughs> you can't close on the Friday as a box shop and open on the Monday as a cloud shop. Uh, although I know manufacturers that have tried doing that, and I think that's crazy. Uh, that transition is something that you need help with. So it's, it's very... Good news for me that you guys are trying to help with this because there's a lot of folks who need it. I believe in the book that you wrote, uh, looking at that, uh, uh, being able to see that behind the end of certainty. Uh, I think this is this is that existential threat, right? Yes. This changing the business. I mean, it is exactly what you wrote about in your book. Yeah, the, the reason I wrote about it in the book was not because of any particular genius of mine. It's 30 years of being in the IT industry and every few years, what success looked like suddenly changed dramatically overnight or felt like it very quickly. And suddenly, apparently, word perfect on a compact 286E was no longer the right answer and we all needed to move to Windows. And then, you know, the next wave would come along. And it was always fascinating to me that lots of people live through these changes, but without seeming to recognize that they come along and they change everything. Uh, there's that old phrase of, if I always do what I've always done, I'll always get what I've always had. And yes. it's so not true. If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll be like my grandparents trying to sell wooden wheels in a world of steel wheels and rubber tires, and you go bankrupt. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting world. But that's what I love about this industry also, is oh. I love the dynamic nature of it. Uh, and the fact that you do have to stay on your toes um, or you can be, you know, disintermediated. <laughs> yes. And any conversation that uses disintermediated is a fantastic one. So I agree very strongly. with <laughs> <That's right. laughs> So Jeff, this, is, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really hope um, I really hope that you enjoyed it. I mean, I tried to talk about the things that matter to, to you and Ingram and, and most importantly to your reseller and, in a manufacturer community. Is there any other issues or points that you want to bring up before we let our audience and you go? 
Uh, no one. I I really appreciate you uh, having uh, uh, me on here uh, representing Ingram. I appreciate that. Um, I do just want to hit one thing, and I, I think that a lot of people think that um, every time distribution changes, um, that they are changing their business model, uh, whether it's moving into software or whether it's moving into services. But really, the fundamental basics of distribution is to make the uh, solutions that our partners deliver more efficient make their businesses more efficient, help them be successful. And that means that we as distributors have to change to be able to, as the solutions change, to be able to help them deliver whatever that happens to be. So that was the only point that I wanted to make is I don't think that we're doing anything uh, dramatically different from the distribution business model. I think that just, just that the technology and the solutions are changing and we have to change to be able to keep up with that and help our partners. Uh, and on that final note, Jeff, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, audience, I do hope you enjoyed it. This is the inaugural The UCC Show uh, with Ingram. So we'd love some feedback. Please get in touch. Let us know what you thought of Jeff and I's conversation. Uh, if you've got any questions for Jeff or me, then feel free to get in touch and we'll try and answer them either on the next show with me or um, you know, in writing. And on that note, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. info at ingrammicro.com and follow us on Twitter at Ingram Micro Inc.